The scripture lesson for our meditation tonight is taken from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. And uh, this is the epistle lesson, standard epistle lesson for our Lord's transfiguration. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Only about 30 miles from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, a little bit south of there, is a mountain known as Mount Tabor. And it's believed that that was probably the mountain where the transfiguration of Jesus took place. And if you were to go there today, you'd see a... Um, a, a number of churches up on the top of this mountain. One that was built in the 500s by the Greek Christians. Another one that was built during the Crusades in the 1100s by some Italians that came through. And then most recently, less than 100 years ago in 1924, uh, another church, uh, actually a monastery, was designed around these churches to, to go with it. And if you ever Google the picture of the church of Mount Trans on the Mount of Transfiguration, you'll see it has three tabernacles, the way Peter talked about wanting to do for, uh, for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And one of the architects recently of the more recent church has designed it in such a way that on August 6th, which is typically in the East when um, Transfiguration is celebrated. On August 6th, the sun comes shining through in a certain spot on the floor, and there's a, a pane of glass and some gold around it that suddenly causes everything to glow if the sun is hitting it just the right way. It's interesting how, how people have felt a need to go back to that spot and try to, try to capture some of this amazing thing that takes place with Jesus' transfiguration. You know, have you ever thought to yourself, if I could pick one incident or event in Jesus' life from the Gospels where I would have been, it would have been fun to be present there, what would it be? I bet for a number of people it would be the transfiguration. Peter describes it to us as just this amazing event. To see Christ glowing in his glory. His face shines like the sun. It's bright as lightning. And to hear the majestic voice of God coming from the clouds. This is my beloved son. And uh, what, a, what an event that must have been. It causes the disciples to just drop on their faces to the ground. And then to see these, these two great figures from the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, standing there with Christ in his glory, conversing with him. It's just, it's just hard to imagine. In fact, artists have a hard time drawing it or painting it. The drawing on the front of the bulletin doesn't even come close to trying to capture just the majesty of all of this. 
So Peter says, he's, he's telling us, we were eyewitnesses of his glory. We got to be right there in front of this and to look and watch Christ in all of this amazing majesty. What, a, what an event. Just a little bit about the context of when this takes place during Jesus' ministry. Most of Jesus' ministry, the first half, was up in the northern part of Israel. A lot of it was around his hometown area and in Capernaum and other cities up in that region. But suddenly, right before this event, he says these words to his disciples. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go up to Jerusalem, which was actually south, and suffer many things, and that he must be killed. So that's the context in which the transfiguration, which follows right on that passage. So it's almost as if God the Father is getting his son ready for the greatest mission that he'll have to do, and that is the ultimate sacrifice he makes on the cross to pay for our sins, so you and I could have heaven. So as if God is charging his son's batteries, if you will, on this Mount of Transfiguration, just right after Jesus explains why he has to go to Jerusalem. On the trip as they leave and head south, they go up on this mountain, and this majestic image we find in Scripture. You know, uh, we, we wouldn't have blamed Peter if he wrote a whole book about this event. We wouldn't have blamed him if he brought it up every time he preached a sermon. Can imagine being able to say, you guys, you wouldn't believe what I got to see on the Mount of Transfiguration. If, if you've ever had a friend, or maybe yourself, has had a, an amazing event take place for you, or something you got to witness that was just phenomenal, and something that people could hardly understand. People write books about things like that. They talk about it the rest of their life. They, they, some people go and make movies about it. So we wouldn't have blamed Peter if he had gotten that excited about this amazing event and just gone on and on and on about it. But notice something in Peter's writing here. He spends about three verses on it. He describes that they got to see Jesus in this majesty and all of that. But only after three verses, he kind of takes us and redirects our attention away from this event that he got to witness and of all places, back to a book, back to the Word of God. Listen to what he says. He's just described us all of this, and then he says, But we have the word of the prophets made more certain. Confirmed is a word that, that one translation used. But it's made more certain. He says, You will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's as if he's saying to us, Yes, what I saw was fantastic and amazing to see Christ in his glory, but, but I'm going to send you someplace where you can find Christ that's even more certain for you, more faith-strengthening for you, than if you got to be in his presence and see his glory. And that's to his word, to the scriptures that have been inspired by the work of the Holy Spirit, because they didn't come by any interpretation of human beings. He's basically telling us, if you want to find God, if you want to find your Christ in this world, don't go chasing after some kind of glimpse of his glory or vision here and there. Don't be waiting for him to reappear as if he's going to, during your lifetime, show up and talk to you and things. 
but instead go to his word. He says about that word, you do well to pay attention to it. Now, if you're like me, I'm tempted to think, yeah, okay, this book that we have from God is wonderful. We should read it and study it, but wouldn't my faith be stronger if I got to actually see Jesus? Wouldn't my faith be stronger if I got to actually be in front of him and watch one of his miracles or an event like this to actually witness his glory? Wouldn't I be a much more enthused Christian? Wouldn't my faith be somehow greater and more authentic if I had had the privilege, like the disciples, to actually be in the presence of Christ? But for some reason, our Lord Jesus doesn't direct us to things like that to have our faith strengthened. He's not chosen to operate in the spiritual realm in this fashion. He certainly could. (laughs) Jesus could show up in the sanctuary tonight and start talking to us. He could perform miracles right in front of us here. And we would all go back and tell people about it. But he has not told us to look for those things in this life. A number of years ago, I was allowed to go along on a trip with Bethany students over to Israel, and we got to retrace places in the Holy Land where Jesus had been, and it really was a a fascinating trip to, to kind of see things that you just heard about and studied your whole life and Sunday school lessons and things. But one night, Uh, We'd been there about a week or a little more. Three of the students, three young ladies, asked me if they could meet with me. And we sat down after supper, and they said, we're kind of disappointed. I said, why? They said, we felt that by just being over here on the land and being around all these sites, our faith would feel stronger. And we don't necessarily feel that way. And I said, so where in the Bible does God tell you that if you go back to a particular site, it'll make your faith stronger? Doesn't. He always directs us back to his word and where he comes to us to strengthen us through his word and sacrament. Jesus even goes so far as to warn us about people who claim that they've had great visions of him, as if somehow we could be attracted to that. Listen to what he said. Speaking about near the end of time. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, he says, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out after it. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. The only light that we need from God, according to his directives to us, is the light that we find in his word. The light that goes down into our heart and shows us our sin and makes us realize that we don't deserve to go to heaven. That causes us to repent. But that same light then shines on the cross. It shines on how God took his only son and sacrificed him so that every one of your sins and mine could be atoned for, so that I can stand here tonight on behalf of God and declare to you the gracious forgiveness of all of your sins, and that God now sees you as his holy saint. This is the light that God wants us to find in the world through his sacred word. This is how he has chosen to come and visit you and to, get you to, uh, to have you get to know him. 
Jesus said it very simply to his disciples, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Someday it will be exciting to see Christ in his glory, and that day will come for his faithful. But in the meantime, to make sure we get there, as Peter says about this old book, you do well to pay attention to it. Amen.
Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair when death shall come. Abide with us and with all the faithful 